grab your Bible as you sit down. Thank you, man. You know, Revelation says that uh, when we get to heaven, after having carried our cross faithfully in this life, we will have received crowns. And those crowns we will gladly uh, not keep, but we will toss them at the feet of our Savior. And uh, uh, I just had the, uh, the thought as we were singing that song, what crowns will I have to lay at the feet of my Savior? What will I have done in this life? Paul said to the Corinthians, whether good or light, that won't be burned up, that I'll be able to lay back at the feet of my Savior as my worship to glorify Him. Well, Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul's last letter to the churches, written to a man, written to his beloved son in Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 says this, Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, my love, my perseverance, and my persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, Timothy... Continue in the things you have learned and the things that you have become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. I've got, uh, I've got two questions for you this morning. The second I'll ask later. The first, here it is. Who are you following? Who are you following? The word uh, disciple in the New Testament occurs 269 times. The word Christian occurs, guess how many times? To a whopping three times. We get called Christian. And in those cases, the word Christian usually refers back to the disciple, specifically. 269 times we get, we get referred to as a disciple. When we're called a Christian... It's, it's connotating the fact that, that Christians are disciples. They are, they are followers. So what? So what? They were called disciples. The frequent choice of the word, I think, says something about who we ought to be, what we ought to be. It's a descriptive word that tells us something about what we're to be doing in these remaining days. Wikipedia says this about a disciple. A follower and a student of a mentor, a teacher or other wise figure. Webster's Dictionary says that a disciple is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Sounds about right. I like, I like this definition best. came from one theologian. A student learns what a teacher knows, he said. A student learns what a teacher knows. But a disciple becomes what his master actually is. There's much to be said about what 
it actually looks like to be a disciple. But for today, hey, let's just keep it simple. Uh, let, let's just focus on the fact that a disciple is at the very base. He is a wholehearted follower. He's a wholehearted follower. We don't need to get any more complicated than that this morning. So my first question, you remember? Who are you following? Who are you following? By following, here's what I mean. Let me break it down for you. By following, here's what I mean. Who is teaching you? Who is mentoring you? Who is training you? Who is modeling for you? Who is assisting you? Who's challenging you? Who's encouraging you? Who's guiding you, rebuking you when needed? Who is loving you into a transformed relationship towards Christ-likeness? That's what we mean when we say, who are you following? That's, that's, what, we, that's what we infer by following. It's all those things. It's teaching, mentoring, modeling, assisting, challenging, encouraging, guiding, equipping, rebuking, loving into transformation. That, that's the kind of following we're talking about when we say, who are you following? It's powerful. It's, it's purposeful. And it's transformational. Timothy's following of Paul wasn't incidental or accidental, was it? Timothy didn't just tag along with Paul. His following meant wholehearted shaping, changing, conforming, transforming. Following as a disciple means you're becoming what you see in the person you're following. That's what we mean when we ask, who are you following? We're not just tagalongs. Who are you following? So then, who is it? Who is it that you are following? If you understand what following is, who is it that you are following? Let's focus on the who for just a second. Surely you're here because, because you're already following Christ. Surely uh, you're here because you want to be near to Him. And the passage here doesn't doesn't force me to ask you the question, are you following Christ? That's not the context of the passage. That's not the question, who are you following? The who are you following here has more to do with who here, down here on earth. We know you're following Christ, but who else are you following as they're following Christ as well? You tracking with me here? Like, I'm just going to go ahead and assume for argument's sake today, for this passage's sake, that you're already trying to chase Christ and be nearer to Him. The question that this passage wants us to answer, however, is who, who else are we following? Who is it? Verse 10, Timothy has followed Paul. He's followed Paul. The answer to the who question for Timothy is Paul. It's not Jesus. Of course, Timothy was following Jesus as Paul was following Jesus. Of course, they were being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. That's a given here. But the question for today, for our text today is, who are you following? Like, who, where's your Paul? Timothy? And for Timothy, it was surely Paul. Look at verse 10. Now you followed me, he could say. Now you followed my teaching, my conduct, purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance. Through all the persecutions and sufferings that you've witnessed in my life, you've followed me. So today when I say, who are you following? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for the four-year-old Sunday school answer of Jesus. 
That, that ought to be the case. That better be the case. If you're not following Jesus, we need another sermon on another day to make sure you're on that right track. The question for today, however, is who are you following Like down here? Where is your Paul? Where is the guy who is mentoring, teaching, modeling, assisting, challenging, encouraging, guiding, rebuking when need be, and loving you into transformation in all of these areas of life, just like Paul was doing for Timothy? Who? Who? Verse 14, look at it. He demands that his disciple continue in the things he has learned and become convinced of. Now watch this. See what he says? Knowing from whom you have learned them. He's not referring to Jesus. Surely he's learned from the life of Christ. Surely he's learned via the Holy Spirit's guidance and help. But what Paul's talking about here is, Timothy, stay strong in the one that you've followed and the one that you've trusted in, the one that you've become convinced of Christ in. Stay the course there. Keep following hard. That's exactly where you need to be, Timothy. Knowing from whom, the whom is, it's Paul. It's this guy down here on our level. That, that, that's Timothy's who. Whatever you do, uh, as you answer that question in your heart and mind, uh, Cornerstone, please don't look up here. Please don't focus up here and say, well, of course, it's the guy on the stage with the big black Bible uh, who, who brings the word from the pulpit. I, I hope that's not the only answer you have. For one, I know me, okay? But for two, even the best of me isn't the right answer for you. Listen, I can, I can do some of this discipling from here. I can do that on some level, but... What you get from this stage to those seats is not discipleship. It's just not. You've got to have that guy who's in your life. Now, I do some of that for some of you to some degree or another. But it's only because we found time out there to get in each other's lives. And we're working it out. We're walking it out together. And so discipleship happens, hopefully with me, to some degree for some of you, for many of you. But discipleship is not this thing right here. The who for you ought to meet a couple simple qualifications. It's pretty easy, guys. You ready? What qualifications should this person meet? Number one, um, you need to make sure they're following Christ themselves. The point here is that you're getting nearer to Christ and you need to be following somebody who is drawing nearer themselves. If you're following a guy who's on the wrong track, then you will continue down that wrong track. That is obviously not the person we need you following. We need you following someone who's followed Christ if you want to be nearer to Christ. Don't be the disciple of the wrong guy. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me. Was that all he said? No. Paul's not worth imitating unless he finishes that that statement by saying, as I am an imitator of Christ, as I'm chasing after God, come on, follow after me. Qualification number one of, of who that person ought to be for you. When we ask, who are you following? The who answer for you, that person better be chasing Jesus. Or you're going down the wrong track. Number two, they have a proven track record. And I'm not saying that they're perfect. I'm not saying that they've got it all worked out. But they ought to 
This who for you, they ought to have some evidence of a proven track record. In the areas that you want to improve, you should be able to look at their life and say, they're a step ahead. They're, they're where I want to go. They're on the track to where I want to be. And they've still got a ways to go, but they're a little bit closer than I am. And I can learn this from them. And let me just say this. To add to those two qualifications of they better be following Christ and they ought to have a proven track record of some degree in an area where you, you realize you need help. Uh, you, you, I, I put in my notes, you might need... But the truth is, you will surely need more than one. You'll surely need more than one. I found this to be true in my life. The guy who can, uh, who can help me, who can disciple me in the word, very often is not the guy who can disciple me in, in being a good husband. The guy who can help me in patience and mercy and grace may not be the guy who can help me when it comes to raising my kids. I may go to this guy to learn love and patience and mercy, but I may have to go to this guy to learn what it means to give sacrificially. So this might not be just one person. The who for you is surely not just one person. There should be a myriad of people that you're pointing to that that, that I'm following that guy there and I'm following this guy there. I'm following this lady here. I'm following this lady towards that who are you following? Are they, are they the right person? Is there a person? So you know what I mean by following and what I mean by who this person should look like. Let's put the emphasis now on, uh, on the pronoun for a moment. Who are you following? I'll be honest, uh, I'm not concerned this morning that you don't know well enough what it means to follow. Uh, that, that's not my primary concern this morning. I think, you, I think you have a good understanding probably of what it means to be a, a Christ follower, to, to understand what it means to be a disciple, to take up that old rugged cross. I, I think you have a picture of that. That's not, my, that's not my concern this morning. That's not where the Spirit says focus this morning. And it's not even the who that I'm concerned about this morning. I think you know what the person you should be following ought to look like generally. I mean, we have the model of Christ and they ought to be conforming themselves to the model of Christ and then you be imitators of them as they are imitating Christ, just like Paul, Timothy, Jesus, right? I'm not as concerned about that this morning. I I think you understand what it means to be a follower. I think you understand who the who ought to be. (laughs) Can I tell you... My question this morning is is a little more basic than that. Very simply, who are you following? I spoke with a friend um, this past week, and and I'll just tell you, uh, I've been doing this this church thing long enough uh, to know that I don't fully get what you go through. Okay, can I just tell you that? I don't fully get what you go through. I mean, you guys have got real jobs out there. Okay, I, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on out there. Uh, my good buddy Eric Scoggins, he's back with the kids today. He's back with the kids. Uh, he, loves, he loves to tell people that, uh, that I work one day a week. And, uh, and while that's not exactly right, uh, I, I, get, I get the sentiment. 
Listen, I get that I don't, I, don't, I don't fully get what it looks like to be on that end. I've been doing this for a while now, and, and I, I, I know that my perspective is, is maybe opposite. Maybe it, it, it's so different. Uh, I talked to a buddy this last week who um, uh, we'd been peers for a long time. We've been on the same track for a long time. He's a He's been in ministry leadership just as long as I have. We were in college together. We suffered through two years of Greek together. Uh, we we got our undergraduate degree together. Uh, we were kind of kind of arm in arm partners, mentor relationship through college. Uh, went to seminary at the same time. We're discipled by the same guy. Uh, we've been leading in churches for the same amount of time uh, until just a few months ago. He got out. <laughs> he got out, and uh, now he's selling pharmaceuticals. And uh, it really is inconsequential why, nothing bad, nothing wrong. He, he's, just, he's just out. He's on the other side now. And so I was anxious to call him now after a couple months, and I said, hey, so, all right, tell me, what is it like over there? I mean, you've been on both sides now, right? You know what it's like over here. Now you're over there. Uh, and I have this suspicion that it's different. So, like, what? Give me the wisdom from the other side. Like, what, am, what are we missing in church leadership? And this guy and I, we've been talking about church and church philosophy and leadership and, and how do we help people uh, since I've known him. And so he knew exactly what I was talking about. And he chuckled and he said, he said, man, he said, you have no idea what it's like over here. <laughs> and I said, I, that's why I'm asking you. Like, I know that. I know that I don't know. Like, I know I, it, it's a whole different perspective but what like what uh like give me that one give me the one thing like what can we do differently here to help you over there right and um he said well i hadn't been out too long uh it's kind of like you know sounded like he was in jail over here in ministry so i hadn't been out too long but here's what he said he said we often make it too complicated for the guy sitting over here I said, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so when I read the passage for this week, I, I tried to look for the most basic principle. Not the deepest, not the most theologically profound, uh, not the greatest thing in the passage. I, I tried to look at it not from my theological training been in church ministry on this side of the deal for X number of years. I, I tried to take those, those glasses off. And I tried to just look at it and just say, how can I help? Where, where, where do we need help? What does that guy need sitting over there? And, and, and I, think I, I, I think I just got stuck on the first few words. Timothy followed. Timothy was a follower. Now you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, perseverance through all the trials. You've been a faithful follower. Continue in these things that you've learned and become convinced of. Knowing from whom you've learned them. He was a follower. There's some sports that are solo sports. But there are other sports that require a partner. And some that, that need a whole team. 
Christianity is not a solo sport. It's not a solo sport. Businessman, teacher, stay-at-home mom, retiree, laborer, salesperson. Christianity, very simply, is not a solo sport. You can't, you can't go at this alone. We are called disciples 269 times, I think, I think to help convey the idea that there ought be this following going on as we're walking out our Christianity. There, there needs to be a training, a teaching, a mentoring, a coaching, a learning, an equipping. That, that's all part of this game. It has to be. It's part of how the game is designed, if you will. Christianity 101. Here it is. Let's not make it too complicated, because we often do. Find someone to follow towards Christ. Find someone to follow towards Jesus. Don't try to follow Christ on your own. You weren't intended to. Titus 2. Old guys, you look like this. Old ladies, you look like this. Verse 4. Ladies, you get some young ladies and you teach them this. Verse 6. Old guys, you get some young guys and you show them how to be like this. That's it. That's how this thing ought to work. This training and development 101. This guy takes this guy, this guy takes this guy, and he helps him up. This is how it works in, uh, in homes. This is how it ought to work in business. This is how it does work in the military. This is how it works in athletics. It all works the same. It's the model of discipleship. Let me explain to you how discipleship works. It's pretty easy. Here's how it works. There's a guy who's doing it, Okay? Forget Christianity, just think business, think whatever you're in. There's a guy who's doing it, all right? Here's the training and development 101 model. And it is discipleship. There's a guy who is doing it, all right? Find that guy. Watch that guy, okay? You do it, I'll watch you do it. You do it now, I'll help you do it, okay? I'll do it now. You help me do it. I'll do it. You just watch until I'm doing it. See how that works? That's, that's it. I don't care what business you're in. That is the best, most basic, and yet profound and effective training model there is. It's the discipleship model. It's one guy. It's one lady impacting the life of another. how it works. So I'll ask the question again. Who are you following? Are you, are you following anybody? Is there a followship in your discipleship? Please tell me, please tell me you aren't trying to follow Christ on your own. Please tell me you have a better plan than just listening to a couple 30-minute sermons twice a month on average. Please tell me that you're chasing after the beloved Christ has something more to it than you going at it alone or expecting to get what you need 
from here to there. Please tell me you've got a better plan than that. You have to make sure you've got guys ahead of you. You want to make sure you've got, and by guys, you you guys understand, I'm I'm using the general neutral term of men, okay? If you're a lady, I'm sorry. You better have someone ahead of you, yeah, that you're following, that you're watching, right? That's helping you, that's equipping you, that's training you, that's showing you, that's reaching back and pulling you up. You You gotta have some partners as well right around you that you're walking with, that you can lean on, that you know they're trying to get better too. And they're not pulling you off this way and they're not pulling you off this way. They're going this way as well. If, uh, if you don't have this guy, if you don't have this lady in your life, uh, this is in part what the organization of the church is meant to do, I think, is to help you find that person. To help you, okay? If you don't have that person that you, can, that you can walk behind, that can come alongside you and help you move forward, draw you nearer to Christ, if you don't have that person, we want to help you. If you're a guy, come to me. I'll fix you up. I'll find somebody smarter than you, okay? If you're a girl, go to D. Go to Kimberly. Uh, what's this thing called? Heart, heart to Heart Ministry? It's a whole program they've got set up May 14th You come, they'll hook you up with another lady, and you can walk together. And maybe she's ahead of you right here, right? And maybe she can pull you up there. And maybe you've you've got some some Christ-like characteristics about you that you can help move her up. Heart to heart. They want to help you. We want to help you. But, listen, listen now. Your discipleship is primarily your responsibility. Your discipleship is your responsibility. I can't make you do it. I can't make you sign up for this heart-to-heart thing for the ladies. I can't make you uh, come to me and say, man, I, I just need somebody who helped me in these areas of my life. I need somebody to help move me forward as a guy. I can't, I can't make you do that. I'm sitting back here with, with maybe some tools that we can give you, but, but I can't force you to use them. Your discipleship You're drawing nearer to Jesus is on you, church. You want help, we'll help you. But if Christ is worth getting nearer to, then you will find a way. You will. You can find a way here at church. You can find a way. Maybe there's some men or women in your uh, workplace that you can come alongside. Maybe there's some men and women in your workplace that, that you can find your way under because they're moving closer to Christ. They've got some sort of proven track record in their following, and maybe you can come alongside them. Maybe you've got family or friends. Maybe they're neighbors. I don't care where it is, but it's on you. You've got to figure it out. I told you I had a second question. By the way, uh, this person, these people that you may be following, they can't just be the guy on the radio or the TV, Okay. That's all fine, but you grabbing a couple CDs of different preachers that you like to listen to is not discipleship. They have to be able to get into your life and see your junk so that they can help you fix it, so that they can speak to it, so that they can challenge it, so that they can refine it, so that they can encourage you, so that they can help you. And the guy on the radio just can't do that. Just like I can't do it from up here. You got to let me get in. You got to let me get in with you on Monday. 
here's the second question. The first, who are you following? Who are you following? And the second, here it is. Is anyone following you? Is anyone following you? Could anyone follow you? Would it even be reasonable to expect anyone to follow you? Christianity 101. You know what we need? We need men and women who are willing to follow. And you know what? I can't make it any more, any, any, any less complex than this. We need more men and women in the church who realize they need to be followers. It's part of the game. It's part of the way God has designed this whole thing. We need more men and women in the church who realize I've got to find my who to follow. And I know you're following Christ and I know the spirit is powerful moving in your life, but you've got to have those people right around you. Christianity 101. We need men and women who are willing to follow. You know what we also need? We also need men and women who we can follow. One of my great struggles in my Christianity is finding a guy who would let me follow. I can tell you story after story from the time I got saved in high school all through college, in a Baptist college, all the way through seminary where we're training up church leaders, the men that I went to and said, hey man, can we just get together? <laughs> I'm an idiot and I need help. Can we just get together every now and then? I know you're busy, but like you're a theology professor kind of person. You've probably got something that I, I could use. Could you, give me, could you give me a day a week? Could you give me one day a month? Uh, mm, can I tell you what a gap there is in men and women for, for us to follow? We not only need to come to the realization that we've got to follow, but we, we need some men and women who've been following long enough that there's something in them that we can follow as well. And, and a lot of times, you know, you know what we hear from up here, from this side? You know what we hear? Well, I've got nothing, I've got nothing really to offer. I mean, I need to be learning. I need to be the one in the Bible study. I need to be the one being discipled. Um, I just, I need to be doing it here for a while. There's nothing I can do to help that person up here. That's, that ought not be. If that's the case, that ought not be. To be a discipler does not mean that you have to be Christ or that you have to have got it all figured out. It just means that you're willing to help the next guy through something that you've struggled through yourself. Here's the problem, though. We've got young guys who, who don't know or don't think they need help in the church. And we've got old guys who don't know how bad their help is needed. And, you want a, you want a third problem? We've got, we've got guys at all levels and girls who think they've risen to a higher level than someone else, and they'll let you know that they think they have, and they'll drop phrases on you that don't edify or encourage you. They'll drop phrases on you that indicate to you why they've grown past where you probably are stuck, and that doesn't help at all. You know the best mentors in my life, as I think back over, over my time in Christianity, the best ones never set out to be my mentors. 
And they probably would have never considered themselves great leaders. You know what they were? They were great followers themselves. You know the kind of, you know the kind of men and women we need out there? We need men and women who are good followers, who are good imitators of Christ. Timothy found a good one, didn't he? And Paul followed Christ to the death. We don't need great leaders. We don't need you to be up here. You know what we need? We need you to be great followers, wholehearted disciples yourself. Uh, I think of men. Uh, first name that comes to my mind, Tom Hamilton. Great guy. Great guy. Old guy, uh, took me under his wing. Before I knew it, he was mentoring me. I didn't even know he was mentoring me. He, ne- he never put himself up here. He was there. But I didn't feel like I was, I was being looked down upon from him out in front of me. You know what I felt like? I felt like he was, he was right beside me or right behind me the whole time. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of men and women we need. They're far and few between. We need more. And that needs to change. Can I tell you where this revolution needs to start? It's in the, it's in the home. Verse 14, Timothy didn't just learn this submission thing from Paul. It wasn't new to him. Look at verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Obviously, that, that's Paul included, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. Timothy, he had a mama and a grandmama who taught him this stuff, who that he submitted to, that he was mentored and equipped and trained and coached by. And so when Paul came along, he fell right into line. You know where this revolution starts of fixing this following problem we have in the church? It's got to start at home. You know what the core curriculum is? You know what the core curriculum, the, the textbook for the class is? What does it say? 15? Knowing from whom you've learned? From childhood, you've known the sacred writings. It's right here. That's our core curriculum of discipleship. One guy modeling to another guy. Being conformed to Christ through the teaching, rebuking, encouraging of his word. Who are you following? And can anyone follow you? Let me read you something and we'll be done. William Barclay on discipleship. It is possible to be a follower of Jesus without being a disciple. To be a camp follower without being a soldier of the king. To be a hanger-oner in some great work without pulling one's own weight. Once someone was talking to a great scholar about a young man. He said, So-and-so tells me that he was one of your students. The teacher answered devastatingly, He may have attended my lectures, but he was not one of my students. Barclay goes on to say, 
There is a world of difference between attending lectures and being a student. It's one of the supreme handicaps of the church. That in the church, there are so many distant followers of Jesus and so few real disciples. Let's pray. Jesus, would you spark in the heart of those who love you a desire to draw near to you? A desire to draw so near that, um, that we become conformed into the likeness of your Son who is set before us as the great example. Lord, thank you for, uh, for leaving for us a pattern and a model but also for leaving um, this developmental program that we have each other. This isn't a solo sport. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. We're not desperados out riding alone. Father, we were made to be part of a body. And Lord, would you... Would you Put in us the desire to be disciples, true disciples, ones who, ones who don't just gain information, but who, who start to look like the one they're following. But Lord, all too often it's the great handicap of the church that we've got nobody following and nobody to be followed. We've got no Pauls. We've got no Timothys. We've got no Barnabas. We've got no, we've got no Moses for a Joshua. We've got no partners, Father. We've got no, no followers to get behind and chase towards the Jesus we love. Oh, Lord, raise up men and women who are followers themselves so that others can, can grab hold and come along. And draw near to Christ. Lord, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're, you're so good and kind to us. We want to be near to you. And, and part of the way that you've designed for us to draw near to you is to lock arms with other brothers and sisters down here as we travel this road, Lord. Help us to find those men and women that we can learn from. And if we need more than one, that's fine. But my, my simple prayer is, Lord, Give, give those who call Cornerstone home that simple desire and understanding that they need to follow. They need to follow. And if they don't have the who, Lord, challenge them to find the who. Lord, we love you. We want to be more like you and we want to, we want to love the world like you love this world. We want to have an impact like you have an impact. So, Lord, conform us, shape us, use us, bring us together, Father. You've got, you've got several men and women and children in the back in this place that want to be conformed to Christ, who want to be simple, basic friends of other children of God and, and move forward together. Lord, would you help us to avoid all the stuff that will slow us down, all the nonsense that... that, that causes us to stumble. Get us out of our own ways so we're, 
so we can move forward as a body of Christ, making an impact in this community. Lord, we love you. In Christ's name, amen.